Let's face it, many of our patients deal with summer allergies. A lot of the symptoms, they deal with the runny noses, they deal with the sneezing, the coughs, all those symptoms. We treat them every day. But one of the unusual things about these symptoms is that it can also leave a person looking like they were beat up. They get frustrated because they get the rings around the eyes, that so-called allergic shiner. Hi, I'm Dr. Brian McDonough. Welcome to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. My guest today is Dr. Cass Ingram. Dr. Ingram deals with this on a regular basis. He actually is going to talk with us today about the ugly truth about summer allergies and how we as physicians can deal with it, some suggestions that he has for treatment, and also some unusual ideas, too, that might be helpful. Dr. Ingram, welcome to the program. It's a real pleasure. We'll get the word out, no doubt about it. Tell me a little bit about, first of all, your interest in this, your background. Why why are you interested in allergies and in dealing with them? Well, you know, from Iowa, Cornland, I had the most horrible hay fever, intolerable, you know, filling the trash can with Kleenex and rhinitis and then the eyes and the dripping and the sneezing and just, it's just too miserable. But also practicing somewhat alternative medicine and more naturalistic medicine I was always looking for some sort of cause for these diseases, cause for sinusitis, bronchitis. And I stumbled upon the fact that bronchitis and sinusitis, as well as post-nasal drip, which we also think of in an allergy season, as well as rhinitis, is usually fungal. That kind of throws a shock wave into our system because we think it's the pollen. Right. We've been all conditioned and taught that it's pollen, but you know, certainly we are learning over time about the role of fungi, fungi and, and how they can be problematic. Mold spores. They're looking for something warm, fuzzy, moist, and dark. What better than the human respiratory tract? So here's the discovery, and it's talked about in the cures in the cupboard and also the newest book on the, on the subject. The discovery is that you do not have to have any of these seasonal irritations because there's a baseline fungal infection in the sinuses, in the paranasal area, along the bronchial tract, from these mold spores. And then when you inhale the pollens and the dust, you get hyper-irritation. You know, when Mayo took those 220 people, and it was a conundrum because surgery and antihistamines were not working for these chronic sinusitis cases. And they found that 200 of the 220 had multiple infections by black mold, brown rust mold, penicillium mold, cladosporidium, not much candida, but all of these molds. So they were like, well, what do we do now? Wash it out? You know? <laughs> right. They went in and they did this. And by the way, in case you're wondering, Dr. Cass Ingram is a nutritional physician. He graduated from the University of Northern Iowa. He got his medical degree from the University of Osteopathic Medicine, Health Science in Des Moines, Iowa. And that was back in 84. He's been practicing ever since and written over 20 books on healing and also on natural healing. So your approach is a little different in some respects, but you also bring the traditional approach of medicine as well, kind of combining them. Well, this is it. So that you have the histamine production, you you know, we know that and people give antihistamines. But what I'm saying is that the fungus is causing the irritation and then leading to the histamine release. So if you dry the membranes, you're not going to get too far because that's what antihistamines end up doing. But if you kill the fungus, that's what's unorthodox, I guess, what I'm saying. Then the disease process, I mean, it just goes away. Now, are these most people, Dr. Ingram? Is it the rare exception? What are you finding in the work you've done? Uh, Most, like 95% of people with allergic rhinitis, allergic sinusitis, chronic sinusitis, acute sinusitis, chronic bronchitis, airway reactivity syndrome, asthma, 95% have 
fungal infection of the epithelial tissues, and the whole lining is infected. And that's when we discovered, in this case, we're talking about the oil of wild oregano, and now there's, there's a sinus spray that has spice extracts. It's called sinu oregano, which makes sense. But when we started giving this to people, bang, 30-year, 20-year case of allergic rhinitis is decimated. It's not magic. Killed the fungus with the natural uh, antiseptics. Now, those natural antiseptics, um, you know, first of all, have they been studied? Have you looked at them yourself? Other people looked at them and seen the results over time? Well, I've done about eight studies on it and they're published in some of the bigger journals like Molecular Biochemistry. And what happened when we did that study with Harry Pruce at Georgetown University, this was candida. So the candida was infecting the mice. So we gave amphotericin B, we gave nystatin, and they did pretty good. But the mice were sickly. So, you know, you gavage in the, the fungus. The fungus takes over the body. It infects the liver, the kidneys, the blood, you know, all that. The mice are going to die right on the control. Mm -hmm. So the antibiotics did good, but the oregano oil did better. Here's why. The oregano oil also saved the lives of the control mice over a 30-day period cleaning out the candida, but the mice's immune system was better than the ones that were taking the medication. They were more robust because it's a natural thing and the body can deal with oil of oregano. It, there's a toxic load from amphotericin. We all know that. Sure. The other study that I did that was very important in terms of pathogens was we took viruses, the cold, flu, and bird flu virus, infected embryonic cell cultures, then added in tiny amounts of oil of wild oregano and other, we tried some cinnamon, sage, cumin, and oregano together. There's a product that happens to have all that in it. And we got a 100% to 99.7% destruction of the flu virus, cold virus, and even the bird flu virus, but it took you know, a lot more dose. But the fact is, not only did we wipe out the virons, but the viruses refused to regrow as long as you kept a bit of oil of oregano. So it is a germicide, but so is oil of thyme. You know, thymol is in Lysol, after all. 99.9% .9 of all germs are killed, right, by spraying the air. So you're just taking a natural form of what's in these industrial products, and you're taking it from basically spices that grow in the mountain. You're listening to Primary Care today on ReachMD. My guest is Dr. Cass Ingram, author of Doctor's Guide to Wild Oregano. We're actually talking about allergies. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned amphotericin B. I know way back, years ago in the 80s, when I was in med school at Temple, we had some really tough cases of people with fungal infections in the lung. I remember amphotericin B in those cases. It might help, but, boy, people did, you know, you got toxic levels and you had those issues. And certainly if someone has sinusitis and those sorts you of things. You don't want to get a kidney damage. <laughs> exactly. You'll put up with the sinus. Exactly. But so what? how exactly is it given if it's something that somebody was All interested right. in? So let's say you're listening to this. So there's a, the original oil of oregano on the market is really high quality, and it comes from the mountains of Turkey, and you can actually take that every day. And since that time, there have been a lot of imitations. That's how popular this is. But that one's known as Oreganol P73. That's what we use in the studies. Now, that's taken as drops sublingually for the ideal action. You take two to five drops, and it's very hot, right? Oil of oregano. You're taking 1,000 pounds of oregano and distilling it down to, what, 10 pounds or something of oil. Take two or three drops under the tongue two or three, four times a day for allergies, for eye swelling, for allergic itch, for drippiness and post-nasal drip. And it's very effective. If you want to do something else, you could put a bit of that on a Q-tip and slide it up the medial aspect, not the sensitive tragus, but you know, the medial aspect of the nose. You don't want to hit the outer edge. And, and there's no sensitivity there, and you can 
cook the fungus that way. You can also use it in a spray form. There's a spray on the market that contains clove oil, oregano oil, sage oil, and you just snort that in, in a saline base. People take capsules, but it takes a little longer for that to, you know, work out. Now, when did they start studying oregano? I get, like many of these natural substances, was it decades, centuries ago? When yes, did people it was in, in France. About 1980, Jean Valnay produced his book, Practice of Aromatherapy. And the French had investigated the fact that oil of oregano, oil of thyme, were more effective than any group of antibiotics because they're germicides. They're killing viruses, bacteria, and fungi and molds. Before that, there was some work in Turkey showing that it was a generalist fungicide, 1977, Belichi and his group. The Turks have studied it extensively. We've done some pretty good work. Our work has been remodeled by at least 40 investigators, you know, on, on the destruction of candida. There was a good study done by the Greeks showing that just one in 4,000, so that's one drop in 4,000, will sterilize septic water. Back in the Pasteur Institute, 1918, they found that oregano oil, one drop per thousand, would sterilize sewage water. But it got, you know, lost because of the antibiotics. Antibiotics became so utterly popular that nobody ever thought of the idea of taking a capsule of oil and oregano. You know? Well, well I was now, reading about them. Yeah, I'm reading about them, trying to look at side effects. I'm trying to figure out what side effects there might be. All I can really find in doing the research for this program, it might be an issue with somebody who has bleeding disorders and there's questions about taking it in pregnancy or breastfeeding. They haven't really studied it. Is that Oil of oregano, my dad, was uh, on Coumadin, high dose and then medium dose. And I gave him 80 drops of the oil of oregano, the P73 is edibles. He was taking that with his bleeding tendency for many years. When he quit taking it, about a month after he quit, he stroked out and died. So, I mean, I never have found it to be, even with TT times and Coumadin, I have never found oil of oregano to be interactive. It might extend the PT time, but it will not cause any kind of, like, clots or strokes or anything like that. Now, in pregnancy, you know, it's a hot, spicy oil. I mean, I wouldn't hesitate to give my wife a couple drops a day so that she didn't pick up pathogens, but you don't need to do it. You can take it during breastfeeding. There's no doubt about that. Small quantities, no problem. What about lithium? The only other thing I saw was relationship potentially it with lith people who are taking lithium. But that's about the only drug act, and I don't even know that that's, there's just a, you know, the problem you're facing is you're dealing with a spice. So whether it's cardamom, cinnamon, cumin, oregano, sage, there's just not a lot of interaction. And so you've got a high safety profile. Now talk about another factor, which is liver and kidney. Because somebody might listen to this program and say, gee, you know, I'll get a bottle of you know, high-quality oregano oil, I'll get some capsules, and I'll start taking it for sinusitis. And boy, his book says three capsules three times a day. Well, somebody might say, that's a lot. Well, there was a study done on rats where they, they cut half of the, the liver out, then they added streptomycin, they wanted to poison the, the rest of the liver tissue. They thought that if they gave oregano oil, it would, it would prevent oxidative damage, and the investigators proved correct. They gave the oregano oil. The oregano oil caused the glutathione and the SOD and the catalase to go up, and the liver repaired itself <laughs> in the middle of being cut in 50, you know, in two. Wow. So, no, there's no toxicity. If you, here's the situation. If you do not get a proper quality, true wild oregano oil from the spice, 
don't be taking it internally. Don't be taking it daily. Do your research. Make sure it's from Spice, and you're okay. Dr. Cass Ingram is our guest. I'm Dr. Brian McDonough. You're listening to Primary Care today on ReachMD. And really, when I found out about you and the book you had written in this, we always like to look at different types of treatments that we may not have seen traditionally in medicine, as well as the traditional ones. And what I like is that you're you're combining, you know, the knowledge that we would have for some things with the new knowledge you picked up through years of experience. We only have about a minute to go. Um, anything else you'd like to share about this? I just want to share this? with the listeners that the proof is in the pudding, and for yourself and your family, if you could get what we researched, some of the P73 material, maybe report back to the show. If you're suffering with this unrelentingly, why suffer? Just perhaps follow the book's advice, take a couple capsules twice a day, five drops twice a day, some reasonable amounts, and see if you can't get rid of these chronic, you know, and there's no emergency medicine to this. There's no pathology. It's just miserable, right? It's bronchitis, sinusitis, allergic rhinitis, seasonal allergy. Dr. Cass Ingram, thanks for taking the time. It's also an antihistamine for anaphylactic shock, so look into that for the peanut sufferers, you see? Okay. Dr. Ingram, thanks for joining us. I really appreciate you taking the time. This is Dr. Brian McDonough. If you missed any of this discussion, please visit reachmd.com slash primary care today. You can download the podcast. You can learn more about the series. Thank you for listening and being a part of the knowledge.